Today I'm joined by the one and only Kip Winger. Kip is, of course, the bassist and vocalist of his band, Winger. First off, man, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, and welcome to the Unsung Melody family. No problem. Awesome. Awesome. Give me the time. Anytime, man, anytime. Well, Better Days Coming is a new album, and while it certainly still has some songs that have the, the, the Winger sound that we're accustomed to, uh, and we'll, we'll appease those those longtime fans. There's quite a few added elements on this album. Um, tell us a bit about the writing process for this album. What was what was kind of the end goal heading into the studio? Um, you know what the 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 um, the process is exactly the same as it was when we were uh, started on the first album. I mean, mm-hmm. exactly the same. Reb and I sit down with a drum machine. Now it's like a Pro Tools like software. Like you know, addictive drums or superior drummer or something. Mm-hmm. We knock out a beat and we start working on uh, a riffs. I mean, we're a riff-oriented band. If you listen to the tunes, you know, Rat Race is a riff, Queen Babylon. There, it's real, it's all riffs. Seventeen, mm-hmm. Madeleine. So, you know, that's the basis of how we did it. Because my, you know, our inner ears. Is uh, was grown on '70s rock, like Deep Purple and you know, Yes, and all that kind of stuff. So, sure, um, we just come up with a riff, and then we, you know, try to come up with the, the main section, the verse, chorus. You know, we just write the sections and then try to arrange it, and usually screw around with melodies as we're doing it, and then you know, ultimately the lyrics come last. But the process has been exactly the same from day one, and. We're kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I always find it interesting that uh, a lot of times the, the goals and the sounds going into the studio don't don't always come out the same that you expect. Uh, do you guys, I mean, do you demo everything out like crazy? Or when you go into the studio, are you kind of free-flowing and, and shape the things in the studio? I never demo anything. Actually, I I actually cut masters when we're writing. So on this album and, and the last album, um, I'll spend a few days getting the guitar sounds before we write. So when mm-hmm. we do write, he can cut the guitars on this in the in the exact moment he's writing. You know, because it's it's always going to be more inspired. I mean, there's too many albums have been suffered from the demo-itis where the demo is better <laughs> than the album, you know. And we, we experienced that on our first album. Um, and if you listen to the demo anthology, you'll hear that the you know the arrangements of the stuff were exactly the same. We just copied them. Right. Um, so I really don't like to make demos at all. I just want to, uh, you know, just write the stuff and record it. The technology's all there for you now. So we just set the guitar sounds up and cut the guitars as we go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, I find it interesting that uh, you've now released three videos before before the album, actually. Um, I like the idea, but it's not exactly the usual treatment for a record. Uh, what was kind of the thinking behind releasing those videos just so early? Was it just a promotional thing, or, or was it something you wanted to do? Well, I I was adamant about cutting as, as many videos as we could because obviously YouTube is such a critical part of what's going on now. Um, mm-hmm. As far as releasing them all out in front, that was really the record company's call. Um, 
I have no answer there for you. I was like, hey, we cut five videos for this song. What do you guys want to do here? You know, here's the first one. And, they, and it was like, great, let's put this out a month ahead. And I thought, wow, a month ahead. But I, it seems to be a, a good decision because, you know, the there's a lot of awareness about the record that's coming out in three weeks and it'll have a lot more people know about it by doing mm -hmm. it this way than would normally. Right. And in this day and age, man, with intellectual property basically being worth nothing, you got to, you got to try your best to get the, get the word out. And, and uh, you know, we're hoping for a, a decent entry into billboard and stuff. So sure. You know, we're just, that's the way we chose to do it. It seems to work pretty good. We're getting a lot of awareness out there and, I mean, fuck, dude. If it was up to me, I'd just make a video for every song because it's not that expensive. <laughs> right, and, right. You know, it's 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 fun, and uh, I got a great editor who who's been working with me since I was a kid. He he did Who's the One and How Far Will We Go. He did he did a bunch of videos for me back in the day. So awesome. I kind of have my same team in place. And, mm -hmm. you know, so we're just doing our 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 thing here. Yeah, well, there's definitely a comfort zone there as well that, that makes it easy for you. A lot of people really struggle with the aspect of doing videos, and they hate they hate the process. So that's that's really cool that you've got everybody in place that you can do that. So it's very cool, very cool. I hate well, the process, honestly. I, I really hate, like, <laughs> you know, having to try to look good in a video and all that shit. Um, but it is worth it when you do it and when you have something that people can see and stuff because that's just the the day the technology now is like people expect it right absolutely absolutely well the last video that you you just released i guess yesterday or a couple of days ago uh was uh for 10 soldier uh, i personally think that's probably my favorite song on the album um it's it's very progressive in its styling was that an easy song for you guys to write as a band or was it kind of a a difficult animal to liberate. Um, man, I write. I, I've been studying classical music for a long time, and like I say, I tell a lot of people it really feeds the rock thing. Um, mm -hmm. So it's actually more natural in a lot of ways because you know both Rev and I think a little bit more on the sophisticated side. So we really we really get off on doing songs like Tin Soldier. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I think that you know a lot of people miss Winger Four, which was totally progressive. So we've been planting progressive seeds in the bands, you know, in the, in our history since Rainbow and the Rose, and even Headed for Heartbreak is kind of could be qualified in that with the big ending and the drum solo thing at the end and the weird mode that it's you know it's in Lydian. I don't know if you're a musician or not, but. It's a little sure. bit out of the norm to write that stuff, and so we've always sprinkled some salt and pepper progressive rock all right. the way throughout our our past. And and Tin Soldier is really like the song that embodies the whole thing, you know. Right. Um, uh, and yeah, we really enjoy it. We we know that it's it would be a stretch for our brand to do like a full on prog album of of long form prog, but. You know, we're nodding in in this album a lot. In a lot of ways, we're nodding to a lot of our own heroes as well. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, I think I read where where you guys are kind of tipping your hat to Rush. Um, that's a band that obviously sticks out to a lot of people. Uh, what is it that speaks to you about their music? Uh, I, I know that you like 
like Getty and, and, and uh, his aspect of things, but what what draws you to his style of music? Say it again? What draws you to Getty Lee and, and Rush? What what draws you to their style of music? I know you pulled a lot from them. Somebody else, just, somebody else just asked me the same thing. Did I mention Getty Lee a bunch in some interviews or something? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you know, 2112, baby. I mean, I grew up with <laughs> my brothers, and we were a three-piece, and it was like we, we were really into, music, into musicianship, so it was like, where do you turn? You turn to Rush. There you and, go. Uh, you know, Getty is a guy who could play foot pedal bass and play the, you know, bass guitar, lead sing, and grab the keyboard all at once. And I was really, you know, I wanted to do that. So <laughs> I aspired to to the musicianship. I mean, I was just telling somebody the other day, like, you know, what was important to me was that the musicians knew we were cool. You know, that was like, for example, with the Beavis and Butthead thing and Lars throwing darts at our my poster and all that shit. It's a great irony, honestly, because for Lars to throw darts at a guy who has Rod Morgenstein in his band is a fucking joke, <laughs> you know. So um, I didn't always concentrate on the fans maybe as much as I should have. I was always focused on, you know, any any of the musicians know that we're good musicians. That was always very important to me. Right, right. So because I really am all about the study of music and understanding the mechanism of music. So, um, you know, in some ways I might have got it wrong because I'm not the richest guy on earth. But, but uh, that you know, I was into the bands like Rush and, and Yes and Gentle Giant and all this stuff where the music was pushed further in, uh, you know, experimental and, you know, out-and-out music theory. I mean, if you listen to, to Freehand by Gentle Giant, you'll... It's obvious the guy knows what the fuck he's doing. Right. So. I I kind of share the same mentality with my site. As long as I make the artists themselves happy with the coverage that I give them, I'm okay. Everything else is just a bonus to me. So I I can relate exactly what you're saying as as far as being the musicians knowing that you are a musician, you know, and, and respecting that. I I can that, that, totally relate. That's it, man. That's it. So, you know, so, you know, it's really important to me. That's just it. My colleagues need to know that I'm good. I, it's very important to me. And then likewise, I, I, you know, I'm out there looking at who I think is kick ass, you know, winery dogs, you know, yeah. this, this kind of thing. It's like, hello. <laughs> you know, and and if I'm going to listen to pop music, I'm going to put on Katy Perry because those are the best written songs by, you know, Max Martin and these guys. Those guys are the guys that do that shit. And if you're going to listen to that, you might as well listen to the best shit, you know. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Those melodies make millions of dollars for a reason. So. Well, the next song I want mean, to... Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I have no idea what I was going to say. <laughs> It's all good. Excuse me. The next song I want to ask you about is uh, <clears throat> Storm and Me. Uh, first, let me say that riff. Um, I find the groove and the flow of the track to be, you know, pretty awesome. And even even though the riff is just this big, gigantic, you know, anthem, so to speak, your range for me is really what, what kind of steals the spotlight. Uh, talk a little bit about that. How... how how big is your range, and, and where does that come from? 
Are you talking about my vocal range? or what Yeah, you yeah your vocal range. Oh, um, studied voice since I was a kid. My dad was like, if you're going to sing, you have to go study with Aunt Mary, who is the dean of graduate arts and sciences at Denver, and she was an opera singer, and she she trained me when I was like 15, and actually it ruined my voice. I was like, ha, ah, ah, like <laughs> did teach me a lot about breathing and then she sent me to a cat in New York who who was this guy and, and he taught uh, and he was teaching all these whoop ass Broadway uh, singers and they all could sing anything and, and he had developed this theory when they were building buildings in New York he was listening to these guys yell at each other all day and not lose their voice so he kind of like instilled this breathing and, and all this stuff in his singing now the motherfuckers the Head of he's the dean of uh, the voice department in Manhattan School of Music. I studied with him when he was kind of nobody, and I just was very diligent about. I do uh, every day I sing. I fucking do the vocal warm ups and downs. I mean, Paul McCartney would probably laugh at me, but I mean, I wasn't a natural singer. I, I never had riffs in my voice. I had to work for all that shit. Right. So I just—it's really, honestly speaking. It might, it's kind of poindextery, but I mean, I really worked at it and sang vocal exercises and really have, I don't smoke and I don't drink. I, listen, I guarantee you that I could get Don Dawkins back up to him sounding like he was 22 if he give me six months off right. the drugs, off the drinking, off the, uh, you know, any more sleep, all this stuff. And your voice will come back. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, worked over a long period of time about how to get different, you know, aspects of my voice. I mean, I do have a decent instrument, but I'm fucking, I'm not like, there's so many people that have natural gift in their voice more than I do. I had to work for it all. So I just, uh, I stay on it, really. It's kind of a pain in the ass, to be honest with you. I mean, I wish <laughs> I was just a bass player. Probably. Well, hard work pays off, man. You, you, it's awesome. I appreciate it. I mean, I like voice <laughs> now in the studio. I used to hate it. I mean, on the first album, you'll listen to the first album. I'm quadrupled on all the shit to make it sound cool. Right. So it, took, it took me years before I could just sing one vocal track where it sounded good enough to just put in your face. You know? So many people can't do that, though. Well, I mean, I, like I say, I couldn't either. I had to really figure out how to do my voice the best I could. Now, I mean, you know, I teach voice and stuff, and I can help. I can cut to the chase on a lot of stuff for singers. Right. Awesome. And, and having said that, there's so many fucking kids out there that are just badass and naturally because they're just grow up at five years old and they're singing their asses off. <laughs> Hate those guys, don't you? <laughs> You know, my wife is always like, yeah, but you have a natural gift. I'm like, bullshit. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, I I always try to end things on a random question. It's kind of a tradition around here. So Uh, I I thought I would say, you you mentioned, I I had a different question, but you you talked about the the whole Beavis and Butthead thing earlier. You you, you touched on it. So let's say you time travel and you meet... uh, Mike Judge, the, the creator, before the episode airs, it, but you know what's going on. Do you ask him to change things, or do you just go on and kick his ass? Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> you 
You know, I actually had some interaction with Mike when they brought Beavis and Butthead back, and I and I just I, I found him on Facebook, and I and I just emailed him and said, "Hey, man, you know," because they were asking me permission this time, and I and I just wanted to get a couple things straight with Mike about some of the stuff that had been said about me during that time. Like I tried to sue MTV, and none of it was true, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I thought the show was really funny, and I ended up on the wrong end of it. So if it had been somebody else on the Geeky Guy shirt, I might have been laughing, too. I don't really know. That's just showbiz, kind of. Right. It didn't help us at the time. I mean, it was bad, you know. But um, I'm in a way, I'm glad I was the guy on the shirt, because all the other bands went away, too, but no one still asked them about the shit. So at least they spelled my fucking name right. Um <laughs> You know, I don't know what else to say about it. Mike's a good guy. He's he's extremely funny, amazing. You know, he's really funny dude, man. So, right. I, as right. a brotherly, as a brotherly, I might give him a Charlie horse or two. Um, <laughs> definitely cost me some money, and uh, but I mean, you know, what are you going to do when you put yourself out there? You just you you can't control, you know, how people react. I mean, I think what's the funny thing is, is that the internet with the young people now have uh, uh, leveled the playing field and are now listening to the music for just the music. So, like, we play a lot of shows, and there's, like, 30 years old and under fans mm-hmm. that listen to our music for what it is, and we're getting vindicated on a musical level, which is kind of goes full circle back to what I was telling you earlier, which is, you know, I care about what people think of me musically. Absolutely. It's kind of coming back. It's not huge, you know. They, everybody's like, what do you think this rock's coming back? I'm like, it ain't coming back. <laughs> but we're doing better, and, and it's on an upswing. And, you know, we get a lot of people at our shows that don't normally come now, thanks to the Internet. Uh, you know, so it's it's a life of a musician, I'm sure you know. You know, it's just you just do what you can and see how it all how the chips fall, man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, that, that was you know, like I said, it was something I really didn't want to touch upon. But since you mentioned that, I no, thought that was kind I, of not, a funny question. No, so, I I encourage people to talk about it because it is part of our legacy, and and it's just kind of like a weird situation that everybody's curious about. I'm not touchy about it at all. Right. All right. Well, very cool. Very cool. It's just one of those things that pop culture, you know, I guess it's a, a glaring example of just how powerful pop culture can be. So. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Kip, I, I appreciate your time more than I can express, and uh, I hope it hasn't been too painful, and hopefully... Oh, yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. 